generation dwells here. And then we moving by the pack, so we moving them. And even if you don't, then you do, cause you cool with them. They be like, I only went to school with them. Welcome to Color Correction, a Jesus y podcast about race and faith from the perspective of a black woman, a Asian guy, and a white guy, too. My name is Andrew. I use he, him pronouns. I'm Asian. And my name is Bethany. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm a black woman. And my name is Chris. I use he, him pronouns, and I am a white man. It sounded so good hearing that <laughs> intro. We haven't mm-hmm. done that in a while. I know, so yeah. I we, was like secretly dancing over here because it sounds so good. We almost, we almost messed it up in our glee. <laughs> <laughs> we did. <laughs> you put your radio voice I, on I, and I, I was just like, that, heaven. It was, that was it. It was like when he, when he, when he like dips down into the resonance, I'm like, I can't contain myself. As soon as that radio voice goes on, we don't know what to do, Andrew. I don't even notice that I'm doing it. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love okay. it every time. So it's been a little while since we've been back in here doing this. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like we lost our rhythm a little bit. We yeah, did a little I bit. So. I mean, there's like, there's certainly like a COVID overlay to, to some of this stuff and yeah. scheduling and mm-hmm. life. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as, I don't know, it seemed like things opened back up. We all started doing different things. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm glad to be back in the yeah. studio with yeah. y'all. Yeah. And hopefully we can find a new rhythm that continues to give us life and rest. But also, we miss our listeners. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited about some of our ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a good season. Mm -hmm. Are we calling this a new season? Yeah, why not? I think we should. Let's call it a new season. The idea is that we're changing the format Mm -hmm. a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So the next episode that comes out might be a new thing. Here yeah. comes that new flavor in your ear. Hey. 1993 style. I forget whose song that is. Yeah. Though. But yeah, it's going to be some new flavor in y'all's ears. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but to cap off, this this will be episode 60. Really? Yeah. Wow. So right 60 now, episodes. 60 episodes. And I think it's a good way to kind of end this bit of 60 episodes by yeah. uh, ending this, just starting a new format with I 61. I Man. I mean, I know other podcasts are like, like they hit their like 60 early, but it's a big deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we've had 60 pretty quality episodes. Yeah. We put them out slowly for your enrichment. <laughs> that's, that's been the strategy the whole time, y'all. <laughs> right. You know, there was a period in the beginning where I was like, we should avoid referencing things that are happening now so the episodes always seem timeless <laughs> and then when covid hit that was basically impossible yeah everything yeah. everything timeless like was screaming i still have this like deep belief that like 20 or 30 years from now like some young people gen double z or something oh, we're is gonna, gonna be find... in their, their history books i f- <laughs> We are going to be in the history books, y'all. Oh, but I podcast? also feel like this podcast, oh, yeah. I feel like it's something that like young people will find like 20 or 30 years from now and find yeah. it interesting and quirky. <laughs> Hello, young yeah. people. Like I have <laughs> from uh-huh. 60 years from now. And people will be making whatever a TikTok mm. is right. then. They'll be making TikToks about us. Right. <laughs> yeah. Are there still t-shirts? Put us on a t-shirt. Thank you. <laughs> Listen to this vintage. They used to call them podcasts. <laughs> yeah. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> Anyways, our dreams about this podcast are neither here nor there. <laughs> so what we figured we'd do as our 60th episode is do a little Ask Me Anything episode uh, where we solicited, solicited some questions, and I guess we'll just answer the questions and see where they lead us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Want me to read the first yeah. one? Well, and I was going to say, if this doesn't work out, then episode 61 can just be like highlights of all our episodes <laughs> right. it can be a clip show <laughs> that would be so weird for a it podcast would be super weird that would be so weird okay here's our first question how are you going to celebrate the release of the new little little mermaid movie are you guys going to do a road trip episode are we going to finally end the podcast because the little mermaid is officially black uh-huh. what are we going to do well i i feel like there's still a question of whether the little mermaid will stay black (laughs) (laughs) that's a good point maybe it's just a one-time deal that the little mermaid is black Uh so we have to continue the podcast to encourage more black little mermaids you're right right 
I mean, it's so funny that we started that catchphrase back in 2019. 2019. Yeah. Uh, years before <laughs> the movie still hasn't come out yet at this point. Right. But even years before I, I the controversy. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Well, I there th- was the controversy at that time is why right. I said Stay Black, Little Mermaid. Uh-huh. So it was announced that I think Halle Bailey was going to be the Little Mermaid mm-hmm. and people were upset. So, you know, I flippantly was like, Stay Black, Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. But now three years later, white people are still pissed and yeah. they're even more pissed because they've saw seen this black mythical figure (laughs) and they're really pissed about it now so it feels like old news almost yeah it does but white people stay mad yep and mermaids what about them i don't know i can't you say it oh and they're gonna stay they're gonna stay black (laughs) white people stay mad and mermaids (laughs) stay black black. Is that our new catchphrase going forward? <laughs> White I think people that's... stay black. Mermaids stay black. That might be an addition to it. But I don't know. I think we should do, I would love to do a road trip with you guys and maybe some other people that from the Circle Mobilizing team. That yeah. would be fun. Um, I mean, I like we've talked a couple times about different road trips. Like, can we do two in the same season? What, like one to the farm show? Yeah. I'm down. Yeah, why not? I do the the fact that Disney is making the Little Mermaid black does speak to I've been thinking about Disney a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Y'all th- went to Disney. Yeah, I've been thinking about Disney a lot and how there is um and how like Disney is kind of the the myth maker for um, the American twenty first century. Mm-hmm. So the stuff that Disney allows to happen can't be truly subversive right because it's only it's like subversive enough to make them money which is their priority right i'm thinking about how um there's this movement of science fiction called indigenous futurisms which is like afrofuturism Mm -hmm. but for native americans oh that's amazing and one of the requirements of something to be unindigenous futurisms is that it needs to be made by an indigenous person Mm -hmm. so people were pointing out how did you see black panther wakanda forever Mm -mm. you haven't seen it no i you know cancer stuff yeah not into it i hear oh okay Yeah. yeah yeah Well, and the whole thing is about it is grief it's about grief and death. Yeah, I'm just not. I yeah, can't do it. It's very heavy for a Marvel movie. Yeah, I can't do it. But people were talking about how in, in that movie the character of Namor is kind of reinterpreted into uh, I don't even know what the tribe is, what the people group is, like a Central American indigenous mm-hmm. kind of thing, mm-hmm. kind of like Mesoamerican. Yeah, yeah, that's the sense vibe. that I've been getting. Yeah. And people were saying how, like, despite the fact that it is cool to do that, and it's cool to have dark-skinned Latino representation, like, it is not indigenous futurisms because at the end it's not an indigenous writer. Mm. You know, it's not mm-hmm. – the people the, on screen are different from the people writing the thing, creating the thing. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not wholly owned. And that's kind of what I think a lot about a lot when, I, when it comes to any Disney thing. It's like, ultimately – the best that it can do is feel like somebody real made this, mm-hmm. but it's all kind of a synthetic corporate it's still thing. an algorithm. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, with, a, with a profit margin. Right. <clears throat> also, Disney movies do have roots in like different tales mm-hmm. from people that have those experiences. Like I think The Princess and the Frog is actually like a tale or a voodoo tale of some sort. I mm-hmm. actually might be completely wrong and our listeners can yeah. um, correct Speak me. Up. But the way Disney Americanizes it and like streamlines it mm-hmm. totally takes away the subversive message. Like right. that's, I hear what you're saying about yeah. like they corporatize it right. to right. make it palatable. And it's interesting in that even the things that, are authentic or even the authentic things that slip through because there are like incredibly beautiful and authentic representations of um of other cultures in disney movies mm-hmm. like polynesian stuff in moana mm-hmm. or the day of the dead stuff in coco like a lot of that is gorgeous and well done and authentic mm-hmm. uh but it's also the authenticity has kind of been i don't want to say weaponized but kind of 
taken over by Disney mm-hmm. in order to do a certain thing or sell a certain thing. Right. And Disney takes up so much Maybe space. open up a new market. I mean, Disney takes up so much space that I understand that a lot of, I mean, if, if Disney gives the you a platform, you're going to take it. Like right. Ryan Coogler is an incredible director. Mm-hmm. And some of him and his style shows through in the Black Panther movies. Mm-hmm. But also, you know that at the end of the day, it's... It's Disney. It's Disney. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess what I'm saying is that regardless of how, regardless of The Little Mermaid, even if The Little Mermaid is a bad movie, <laughs> I mm-hmm. feel like I still believe, I, I mean, I stand by Stay Black Little Mermaid yes. as a tagline. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, like hearing Andrew stand by something, anything, that's a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Just because it's a thing and, like, there's a Black Mermaid, it, it's not, like, an actual move towards – it's not always a move towards progress representation. Mm-hmm. Right. right. But it's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Little red-headed, dreadhead, yeah. mm-hmm. Disney <laughs> girl. Like, yeah. I'm loving it. Yeah. But also, yeah, it's not necessarily – And also the ire it raises does, like – does mean there's something real, like, about it, right? Like – the fact that people are upset, like, does speak to something deep in our American white life. Yeah, it like, speaks to white people think that they are the yeah. standard, mm-hmm. right? Right. Like, if We're it's a mermaid, even if it's a fake person, they yeah. got to be white. That right. is the, like, whiteness is the foundation or the general sense, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Santa yeah. Claus got to be white. Mermaids got to fucking be white. <laughs> hey, mm-hmm. white people, let me look into this mic. Mermaids don't exist. <laughs> but because whiteness is so That's considered right. the standard, yeah. the idea of a black person being a mermaid is just outrageous. So right. anyways, yeah, it does speak to white people and their stupidity. Yep. So question two. Chris, you want to read this one? Yeah, take yeah. turns reading? Let's do it. Uh, what holidays or traditions do you celebrate, religious or cultural, and what does practicing those traditions mean to you? Also... What traditions did you, your family, community growing up celebrate that you no longer practice and why? Hmm. Um, and as Andrew and I were talking through this question, I'm still stuck on Thanksgiving and like he was thinking more about Christmas. But um, Andrew, you want to you wanna kick us off? Well, I was just thinking about Christmas because spent the morning decorating the space. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Thanksgiving is a, is a great thought. Wes was saying to me, this past week that he struggles with Thanksgiving because for him, the story of Thanksgiving was a big part of his Thanksgiving obser- observance. Mm. Like his family oh, his... is into like the pilgrims and they were talking about the pilgrims. Yeah, they were in talking about house. pilgrims and yeah. stuff. And I was like, we never talk about that in our No, house. black people no. don't talk about no fucking pilgrims. Yeah. And I think I was thinking a lot about how like non-white people celebrate Thanksgiving I think in a different way. Uh, yeah. Because right, I... Right, because Wes' father is white, right? right? Yeah. Okay, that's interesting, yeah. Like, for me, I was coming home from school learning about pilgrims and the Thanksgiving story, and I was trying to, like, convince my parents to get on board with it, and they were mm-hmm. like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we're just going to serve food. And, eat it. and that's what it was about. Do you, do you have any idea why that, like, where their whatever was coming from? That's a great question. I want, I think they just didn't feel included in that story. Yeah. yeah. I feel like your parents also have, like, a radicality to them that they also probably didn't buy into that story. Oh, do they? I, I mean, yeah. My, I feel like your parents are, like, protesting in Taiwan and, like... I mean, that's definitely true. In, in, in certain ways, they are pretty progressive. In certain ways, they're not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Thanksgiving story was never really something they were on board with. Yeah. They liked the day off and they liked the family and the food. Yeah. Um, I'm not surprised they didn't buy into the story, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did it just not come up around, around your table, Beth? Or like, was there like... Yeah, it didn't come up. 
Like, I would watch cartoons on Cartoon Network. I was, I think I was talking about this last week. There was mm-hmm. this little cartoon <laughs> with this white pilgrim kid and this talking squirrel and a native kid. And at the end, they start doing that 1970s dancing at the end. It was fire, <laughs> right? That was my shit. But my parents in no way were invested. For me, Thanksgiving has always been almost like a religious holiday because mm-hmm. everything is religified in my house. Sure. So it was about expressing, like, gratefulness to God. Yeah, and there's always, all my life, we all go around and say what we're thankful for, right? Yeah, but yeah. we're never, like, thankful for these pilgrims landing right. on the Mayflower. <laughs> like, the pilgrims <laughs> right. have nothing to do yeah. with our story. Yeah. So, yeah, that idea of just sharing food and sharing gratefulness as people mm-hmm. of color, mm-hmm. that resonates with me as well. Yeah. It's funny, the the mythology of like the the pilgrims has been more of a prevalent ongoing struggle in my adult life. We didn't talk about it either at, when I was a kid. Like mm-hmm. like even in my my white family, either either my mom's side or my dad's side. Okay. Um like we weren't we weren't celebrating the the mythical feast of the pilgrims and the and the Wampanoag, I guess, um, was was the tribe and 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 like there was a feast that that did happen, but like the the like really important parts of the story, especially like what happened after, mm-hmm. just like dissipates, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like that's what I, I I'm left with a lot more in my adult life. In fact, like I was at a celebration recently where like the host who's not part of my family we were we were also there as hosts like wanted to talk about thanksgiving like and explain it to some and explain it to people who aren't from this country and that had me real nervous (laughs) right you were you were telling us that this was going to happen before it happened yeah can you go into more detail about it um let's wait let's set up the context is it okay if we set up the context so there's an afghan refugee family yeah yeah that was having thanksgiving dinner with you and some Mm -hmm. friends um my my wife's family has been really integral in helping two Afghani families settle in the U.S. after fleeing Kabul mm, last mm-hmm. year, um, after the Taliban um, really took a like a foothold in the country right. and, and started governing it. And they were because of their their service with with the United States and humanitarian aid, um, and and because like of their education levels, they were all concerned, especially like. Um, one of the family, one of the man's wives, like had like a college education, so they were really afraid, mm-hmm. um, and they they moved here, and so this was their first Thanksgiving, um, and so it was this, it was in some ways this opportunity to like to explain the holiday in ways uh-huh. that like we don't usually get into, but like the explanations all send shivers through my body. So what happened? Like, Did you explain? What I was there an explanation? We. It ended up being a pretty mediocre one at best uh-huh. that included like on things like a typical Thanksgiving, like the football is on in the corner. There's just like one person who never moved from his chair, watched football the entire time while like and like and people come in and out and like it's a good day of like gathering and friends. And like the pilgrims were kind of dropped in there um, for their like immigration story, uh-huh. which like that was it was so <laughs> like it was there, but I was like. All right, like I don't even know how much of this people are tracking. Okay, like I'm not I'm not sure if I'm here to upset tables today. And also, like that was about as deep as it got. But it's like, I, yeah, like we're we're like we're in a group of immigrants, and I like w- there are these ways where like their stories mirror this path that these like European immigrants took. But then like the the divergence that happens once they land is like. Where I'm like, I don't, I don't want anybody here trying to rhyme your story with theirs. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and that's that's what was giving me agita. It was okay, but like, that's the part now that like, I, I really want to come to these celebrations or just stop doing them all together with some intentionality. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, this day has always been like kind of religious but also like not christmas so like not so tied to family so it's mm-hmm. been a day where like we can celebrate with like people who aren't our blood um and those those kinds of those kinds of celebrations mean so much to me um, and i was really looking forward to meeting this family for that reason but 
but the yeah I don't know, it's just it's it's a whole mess. It is a mess. Mm-hmm. How would you explain Thanksgiving to an immigrant? <laughs> yeah, right. Let's know. go around and explain yes. it. Yeah, Let's, you do it. You, uh, you go first. You want me to explain Thanksgiving? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just moved to America. Oh man. Go I, ahead and explain it to me. Uh, in the 1600s. Uh huh. Yep. The pilgrims came to America. Uh huh. And they were hungry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh. Um, the the Indians helped them out and helped them grow corn. Indians? I'm from India. What do you mean? Uh, <laughs> man, I don't even know. I don't even know the tribe. Um, yeah, and like I didn't as a kid either. They don't talk about the specifics because like, I don't think they knew. You got to go looking for it as an adult. I, I can't even. I don't. I don't even know how would I would explain it to like a child. Like mm-hmm. if I had a child, I don't know what, what do I introduce them to first: the holiday and complicate it for them later, or yeah. just like dump it all on them and give them the complication now. <laughs> right. Because if I give them the complication now, they might ask a question that I don't know how to answer. Like, why do we still do this? Right. <laughs> I don't right. know how to answer that kid. Yeah. I think, yeah, I would just be like, because we're used to it, we have the day off and we're here to be together as a family. Yeah. But the roots of this holiday do not resonate with us mm-hmm. and we celebrate for different mm-hmm. reasons. Yeah. Well, if good. I had to that's explain good. it to immigrants, I don't know why that was just hilarious to me to mm-hmm. think about how do we explain this for the first time. Yeah. Right. But I would say the story and the tradition is that the pilgrims came here, they struggled a lot, and the Native Americans supported them and provided them with food, and there's a big meal and celebration celebration and support right. of that. But that story is bullshit, just like lots of things in America. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're recognizing that if you've been here for more oh, than man. five minutes. And they already have stories in their first year. Absolutely. Do. Right. So what Thanksgiving really should acknowledge is that indigenous people welcomed us. They have traditions of creating larger families, traditions of hosting, and we are hosting and celebrating this tradition in honor of them in their honor of welcoming new people in, despite the fact that those people decimated their populations. Now cut that turkey. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, I know. And I think that might be good. I think it might be good to... People are okay dealing with tension. Yeah, they totally. are. It's and just so are children. I mean, yeah. like, what did, yeah. we, what did we talk about for the rest of the evening other than, like, the struggles they've had getting their driver's license? Like, the, this guy, this guy's story basically boiled down to, like, if I had talked to the other Afghanis in my community first, I would not have gone to this specific DMV. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because they already knew those people don't tolerate us. And cut us any slack the way other DMVs do. Mm-hmm. Like, they already have those stories. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that tension would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I, I really celebrate um, noting tensions, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that is being a human, is yeah. living in a constant state of and gray I think that, and Yeah, tension. that's mostly what it was. It's like, I, I just want to tell the truth. Like, if, if we're going to have any part of this, like, get, like, cleaned up, then just don't don't do it. Yeah. Like do like do yourself and the people you're you've made the last years worth of effort with. Like don't do that. Mm-hmm. Just leave it out. You know what I like about Chinese holidays? It's that everything means the same thing. It all just means like good fortune. Oh, that's great. <laughs> it's yeah. all like why red? Because it's because it's lucky. Why oranges? <laughs> right. Because so they the kind of look like so money, easy. and that's lucky. It's like what is this funny. thing we put on our door? That's to get luck inside. <laughs> it's just about the luck, y'all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's that just makes about sense. hoping that things are better. Yeah. I, mean, I think and more and more it's it. like explain the turkey. Like why? Uh-huh. Yeah. Why are we waiting hours for this? It's never good. Yeah. I mean, it, I most of the American holidays have like attention to them, like July 4th. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't yeah. celebrate July 4th, but I will bust a grub, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm mm-hmm. definitely going to eat this hot dog and right. have a good time two-stepping with my friends. Right, right. Yeah, I think, to go back to the original question, I participate in all holidays, but I also have an education that mm-hmm. makes me aware of these tensions, yeah. and I go into these holidays with intention. I'm not, I ne- you'll never see me say, Happy Thanksgiving. Right. Right, that wasn't on my Facebook mm-hmm. Um, you'll never see me say, you goddamn sure won't hear me say happy 4th of July, but I will share in food and community and libations with others. Mm. And I think that's very black. That's very BIPOC. Mm -hmm. Um, Congratulations on your independence, all you white male landowners. 
I mean, y'all can kiss my ass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not even a congratulations. <laughs> right. Um, but the idea of being in community and celebrating with food and libations, that resonates with me. Yeah. And that's why I still participate in these days, but I don't actually participate in the essence of that holiday. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, great question. Uh, the next question asks for our thoughts on, quote, the Great Commission, end quote, and white saviors, white saviorism. Mm. Can somebody remind me what the Great Commission is? It's basically colonization with Christianity, right? Like, we got to get all these people to be Christians. Well, the Great Commission is when Jesus, before he ascends, says, go into all the world and make disciples of every nation. Mm-hmm. Which has taken on a colonizer attitude. A colonizer attitude. Yeah. There is a, a school of thought that says that, like, the idea of spreading the gospel and converting people and evangelizing is so far gone because it's so entwined with colonialism mm-hmm. that we should completely, we shouldn't even think about things in that terms mm-hmm. uh, on the other hand there are people that believe like oh the, the you know the gospel says we should make disciples and convert people so it, it is about spreading the good news and christianity itself is so intertwined with ideas about converting people mm-hmm. and telling people about jesus yeah it's 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 really hard to disang- disentangle those things right i don't know what do you think <sighs> Yeah. Um, I mean, that was certainly the, that's certainly the juice I, I grew up on. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I, I was part of a, like, I was part of a Pentecostal church. Um, and we had these conferences growing up where. Oh, I love a good conference. Oh, man. I never got to go. What? Yeah. But the idea and the stories that my cousins would tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds and we always so hosted them like they were they were like they, they were, were in like our church and these like week long events that like bring week back long. the missionaries from like Nairobi from Ireland. Yeah, I remember um, those conferences. Those conferences for me were always right on a holiday like on Christmas because that's when you could get the cheapest rate at the conference center. Oh yeah. <laughs> and all these like Pentecostal Chinese people were like we don't care about Christmas. We care about the Holy Spirit yeah. and, and, and getting a deal at the conference center. Yeah. <laughs> we care about Jesus and discounts, okay? <laughs> Which yeah. like I mean, I would say is like as a white Christian, well that's isn't that Christmas? <laughs> but yeah, so like we we there was certainly that like evangelical spirit of like going into new places to to share the gospel, um, and and it's like one one there's so many aspects of that that like are beautiful. Like it like it meant that I grew up in a church that was really diverse, um, and that that has made that is like really enriched my whole life mm-hmm. like like witnessing like people of like diverse ethnicities um worshiping together okay that part's great um but the mindset that comes along with with a lot of the western perspective was also present there um to the point that like if you even went to a different church you weren't a christian anymore like it was so narrow in its approach to what even Christianity is and, and like what a Christian acts like that um, all you could just like suck all the goodness out of that space like when you really get into the theology that was present there mm-hmm. like is it like it's very controlling and domineering um, very sexist um, which like you know, I think I've said this before, just like, men, like women like my, my mom that had any kind of an education and any kind of ambition beyond raising families, like it left them no place to lead in that church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, yes, what Jesus said, but like, no, the way we do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I my thoughts on the Great Commission and like evangelizing, or uh, what is it? What's the prophetizing? Like those people that are out there yeah, yeah. And doing that yes. thing. Yes, and my me, dad was really good at that. 
Interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah. I think for me, your life should be a witness first and foremost. I think that evangelism best happens in relationship and like being in relationship with me and seeing my my struggles and the way I relate to Christ in mm-hmm. my struggles and mm-hmm. my joys and my um, struggles is the is the greatest witness. So yeah. I very rarely feel a need to tell people about, let me talk to you about that man named Jesus. Mm-hmm. I don't feel a need to do that. If yeah. you're my friend, I hope that my life is – and like I think it is. Yeah. I have – one of my friends whose father passed away last year, her family is a bunch of atheists. They mm-hmm. asked me to do the religious part of the ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I'm the go-to atheist pastor. Like whenever <laughs> my friends that are atheists or questioning have any sort of spiritual issues yeah. or any spirituality needs to be included in something that they're doing, mm-hmm. they come to me because I think they see that my life is a witness. And that's really an honor. Yeah. To be in community with people that are a spiritual, but they trust me and my spirituality. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I like the way that this question is phrased because asking about the Great Commission and white saviorism is meaningful because those things, those ideas are so tied together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But those ideas are tied together because people have tied them together. Yeah. Right. Like the Great Commission folded very neatly into white saviorism, the white man's burden, colonization, right. And like those ideas were built up. Mm -hmm. And that means they can be unbuilt, first of all. Mm -hmm. But it also means that this idea of spreading the faith in this way Mm -hmm. um, by by converting people to certain cultural expectations, basically to the norm of whiteness, Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. not inherent to the faith Mm -hmm. there there the great commission existed before white supremacy Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i'm thinking about how yeah i think in my personal life these days i don't really i'm not really interested in convincing other people to say the sinner's prayer Mm -hmm. what i'm what i am interested in is uh the gospel and the its message of liberation Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm And so that means I'm interested in helping people find liberation Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. the gospel. So I don't even, so I I do think, I agree with you, Bethany. Like I think my, my life is a witness, but I also want my life as a witness to have the tangible fruit of the gospel, which is freeing people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, whether people, uh, find that freedom in the same way that I do through Jesus explicitly by saying I claim Jesus as Lord is kind of secondary to me mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. maybe not even important to me at all mm-hmm. yeah. compared to like the gospel itself, which mm-hmm. is, which is freedom, which is liberation or salvation. The same word in Greek. Yeah. 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 Why'd you hesitate to say that in case your parents hear this? <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's like. I, I mean, I'm just trying to phrase it in a careful way. Okay. Let me think yeah. about why. It is it is tough because so much of the, our the way we think about faith today is about like getting other people on board. Yeah. Growing even in our personal context, growing the cell, growing yeah. the growing the church. It's always like multiplying a multiplying cell, multiplying a thing. congregations. Um, mm-hmm. and it's I think one of the big reasons that there's such an emphasis on that is because it's tied into this colonial way of thinking. Right. And it feels very capitalistic as right. well, right? Yeah. Like infinite growth. Infinite growth, bigger is better, more money, more opportunity. Mm-hmm. And you're one of the first per- people I've heard challenge that idea that like progress is better. Mm-hmm. What who who decides what is progress right. and who decides what is better? Right. Yeah. All it, of the Yeah, I feel like all of the ways that we've approached mm-hmm. the Great mm-hmm. Commission are so deeply rooted in American white supremacy that, yeah, I have no interest in it. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. it, I, th- I think part of what, like, my like my adult life has been about, like, where, I, where like, I mourn what I learned um, growing up, like, in, in Christianity and just in, like, in American culture, is the – is what – we could have gained at so many of these points in in our in our history, like where where there was this like moment where mm-hmm. Europeans like had a feast with indigenous people, and there was a shared, there was a sharing that like broke down so quickly, 
because um, the Europeans couldn't tolerate those differences, which could have brought us life in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder if if we had, if Europeans had actually like developed some kind of like an actual mutuality, if we would be sitting here talking about climate change, right? Like if, if we had just like, like very long ago um, thrown away this idea that like every inch of the earth had to be produced for something, if, if we wouldn't have wasted so much of it at this point that like, um, you know, like everything is on fire and <laughs> um, flooded, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I, those in my, in my mind, those two those two things are very much tied together. Like if we had seen one another at a much earlier point in our in our shared history, like a like <laughs> like there'd be more indigenous people in the world, um, and and like maybe we'd have a much like I don't know more integrated um, relationship with our land. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. White. White colonizers and white people, in my experience, don't know how to relate to things with respect. Mm -hmm. They always expect things to um, bow down to them, right? Whether it's the land, whether it's a people group, whether it's women, it's all about submission to an entity as opposed to being in mutual relationship. There's no way this thing or this person could save me. I have to save it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it has to be in submission to me. Yes. Like I am in control of yeah. it. I dictate its purpose. I dictate its productivity. 100%. Yeah. It's a very weird re- way of relating to the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, n- next question. How to integrate and balance the need for structural and personal change? Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> Just do Stop it Stop being such a wimp. <laughs> Go to the gym. Just, go to the fucking gym. Just go to the gym. <laughs> How to integrate and balance the need for structural and personal change. Uh, I think when structural change happens, uh-huh. so from my perspective, structures influence individual behaviors, sure, right? Sure, So it is important for structures to shift and then to provide individuals with um, – personal goals for mm-hmm. change and development as well that reflects the shifting of that structure. Mm. So I think, I don't necessarily know if it's a balance or if it is kind of like a two-step thing, right? Mm-hmm. When structures change and you have ideas of how the structure should change to be more anti-racist, anti-oppressive, whatever, you then have to provide individuals mm-hmm. that maintain that structure or that institution with the skills to um, live out that structure and mm-hmm. to continue building it. Mm. Those are my thoughts. Yeah, I get it. Um, that felt very technical and not yeah. fun for a podcast. No. I, I mean, I like the technical explanation because this is a hard question. At one end, you, at one end, you you have, let's say, somebody is racist. Mm-hmm. To what extent are they responsible for their own racism? Because as because we don't want to go to get to the point where we're like nobody has any responsibility for anything. Right. At, at the other end, we don't want to say that it's all it's all up to you. It's all individual. It's mm-hmm. all about individual choices. Yeah. But a structure makes a person – so this is how I think of it. Mm -hmm. The culture of an institution or entity makes room for a racist to feel comfortable being overtly uh, racist, Mm -hmm. right? When the structure changes, individuals either have to shift or vacate that that institution, Mm -hmm. right? So people are personally responsible for those changes and shifts, but the structure should be – intolerant to certain behaviors like it should either have there should be such a culture that like you don't feel comfortable doing it you should also know what the consequences are when you do something that goes against the institution's values yeah so yeah a person is individually responsible but the structure and the institution is first responsible for creating a culture that a racist or a homophobe or a transphobe wouldn't be comfortable mm. speaking um, racistly or homophobically in. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what would you say to people who argue that, like, the whole overarching structure is racist? It's white supremacist. So, 
I don't know if anyone's making this argument explicitly, but in that but because that's the case, nobody's really responsible for their own racism. Mm, that's an interesting point, mm-hmm. but it's still not helpful. You know yeah, what I mean? Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, the structure is at hand, but now we're responsible for shifting the structure and getting educated enough to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, this is like this is like the double-edged sword of liberation, right? Like with liberation comes agency. And yeah. then, and and with agency comes personal responsibility. Right. Mm-hmm. Um so like there's you may not actually want to be free when it comes down to it. <laughs> because because then all of a, all of a sudden like you are a choice maker and you are responsible for the consequences of mm-hmm. those choices mm-hmm. to a certain degree for like, like less, less, um, like more personally, I am, um, I mean, at 43, like as a, as a white guy, you know, like I, I th- I'm like, I'm starting to like see you and I had a conversation, Andrew, like on a bus, Three years ago, that is that like must have been really meaningful for you. It is. You do I, keep bringing it I, up. I come back to that a lot. Okay, I do. Like, <laughs> I I really do because was it the bus ride in California? Yeah, from the airport it was. It was the, a, like it was a conversation about like how do we not turn into lonely men? Mm-hmm. Um, and on the one hand, like I'm really I'm I'm proud of like the ways I've developed and like the the things that I'm I'm into, like the movements that I'm a part of, that like are about bringing liberation, and I and 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 to some degree I carry those as, you know, as um, I'm like, what is the word? In any case, like there's there's a place at which like they're a source of pride for me, mm-hmm. um, and there's certainly a place where I where I judge and compare other people, and. And to a certain extent, that creates this distance that is that is like self-fulfilling. Like I get further and f- like as I get more and more right about the things I'm doing, I get further and further from relationships that would hold me accountable. Um, and that sort of arc leads to like ty- tyranny on one hand or just like loneliness and um, separation. Mm-hmm. So like the two – have to work together, you know, like just being right about things. And like, who knows if I actually am like that, that is like a very self-centered approach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who knows if I actually am and who can tell me if, if, um, if I'm not in relationship with people who can hold me accountable mm-hmm. and that's also where the structure can shift, right? Like I can't do it by myself and I can't do it if I'm not willing to be held accountable and and to be wrong and and to apologize, mm-hmm. all those things like have to have to work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if enough people are doing that, that's a structural change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that. Yeah, that's true. And that kind of connects sort of to the next question, which is what happens when BIPOC disagree about racism or white supremacy. Um, and I guess I, I don't know. My immediate response to that question is. Uh, who, like, who is dis- doing the disagreement here? Yeah. Do am I in a relationship with them? Do I know who they are? Do I care about them? Mm-hmm. Is it a useful opinion for what I'm trying to do? Does mm-hmm. it comport with other people that I know and trust? Right. Uh, because it's okay for BIPOC to have different opinions, right, and different approaches, and we will inevitably. Yeah. Especially because we have such vastly different experiences. My black experience is very different from your Asian experience. We're all facing white supremacy, but the way white supremacy shows up for us is vastly different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's definitely helpful to have relationships like this where we can kind of compare notes and Mm -hmm. see things from different perspectives. Totally. Mm -hmm. Totally. I mean, because because we have a relationship, Mm -hmm. like I I can trust you. When we have a difference of opinion, mm-hmm. or we can t- we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. It almost <laughs> sometimes when we have a difference of opinion. Sometimes I'm like, well, what the fuck is going on here? 
we got to talk about this. Uh-huh. Usually we have the same opinion on things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's because of our relationship that I trust that we have a similar vision that I'm like, oh, if we're disagreeing, mm-hmm. then we need to have a conversation. Right. Because yeah. it could because I can definitely foresee a circumstance where somebody has a completely different vision. Maybe it's an incompatible vision. Mm-hmm. And because of that, uh, we might not be able to be partners in the work that we're doing. So uh, you're right, Chris, in that like I, I, I'm with you in that I think we should be careful about Oh, about being too sure of ourselves mm-hmm. in any circumstance. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, part of that is uh, having people that you trust that can hold you accountable. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, like, I don't want critics, but I do, I do want people who love me, like, to offer that, like, healing correction, mm-hmm. you know. And sometimes those might be critics. And they might be critics. That's yeah. true. Like, they're, they may, they may. It comes to it comes to us in many ways, but yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I also think it doesn't fucking matter, right? Like racism mm-hmm. happens, right? We live in and we currently go to a church that was predominantly white. That is a reflection of racism existing. It's a black ass city, right? Forty four point eight percent black, I believe. Yeah. Um. So if an institution is predominantly, don't laugh at me having <laughs> that figure 0. on eight percent, I believe. <laughs> What? Of course we believe you with that 0.8%. We're not going to be like, actually, Bethany, it's 0.9%. Anyways. 8.6, precisely. But it's a black ass city, right? So even if somebody isn't overtly uh, saying the N word or something like that, right? You can look at an institution or an entity and see that white supremacy is reigning supreme. Sure if it's predominantly white, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to respond to that. So even if a person of color or a black person is saying, I don't think this is racism, the institution illustrates that racism exists and you have to move in a trajectory that is dismantling that white supremacy. Right. Yeah. So it is very non-helpful to get too focused on people of color not agreeing on racism. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also is not helpful coming from white people because mm-hmm. white people usually use that division as a means of yeah. sticking their, their heels in the ground and not moving on racism. Right. Well, my friend Bob said that it's not racism, right? It's usually mm-hmm. that disagreement is usually used as a defense or mm-hmm. a weapon. Yeah. And all of that is not helpful, right? Yeah. If an entity is predominantly white, we know that racism exists and we have to move towards dismantling that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, who gives a fuck if right. we don't agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Our right. opinions matter, but so does the data. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And if you're white, don't weaponize people's disagreements to... To stick your to heels, stick your in, heels in. Yeah. yeah. Does anyone else want to read the next question? <laughs> oh, Beth. Wondering if Andrew is working on any new music these days. And then in addition to that, I added this part to the question. Where are we finding space for creativity? Because I think that's a question that's asking. That's a good question. Because yeah. the first question, the answer is pretty quick, which is no. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not working on any new music these days. I typically, oftentimes I can't write anything unless there's a deadline anyway. I'm just that kind of person like unless there's an expectation that i'll produce something i'm mm-hmm. just gonna sit around and do nothing yeah so the if you want me to write something give me an assignment <laughs> it's the only way i'm gonna get a anything commission. done um but yeah where are we finding space for creativity it's been really hard for me lately mm-hmm. i've been doing a lot of work i always say i got <laughs> i got three jobs in my own business i sound did you guys ever watch everybody hates chris Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know how the mother always says, I got to put up with this. My husband got two jobs. That's like been my <laughs> I, like, yeah. I got three jobs. I got things to focus on. So, yeah, it's been really hard for me to be creative, to write poetry or to write essays like I like to do. Yeah. But I'm hoping that this winter will be an easier season for me. A few of my jobs are, um, I'm stepping away from a few of my jobs. So I'm hoping that this will be a season where like, my mind isn't so focused on producing things for work that I can produce things for pleasure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you, Chris? Similarly, in a in a lull right now. Um, it's funny. Like my my creative outlets were like kind of corny, but like I was I was really enjoying like 
photographing little stuffed animals that my my um my my niece and my nibblings made mm-hmm. like to make a calendar. And I just like I don't know, like I think the the lol is worth paying attention to cuz mm-hmm. like yeah, I I mostly get home and I'm tired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot, like a lot of evenings. Um, it'd be okay if it was one or two, but right, it, like there's something yeah. to, to like work through. I hear that for sure. I mean, I feel like creativity, if it, for, if it, creativity needs space. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I feel like a lot of my time has been filled up with other things that don't give me the kind of empty space that I need to foster that creativity. Yeah. So it's probably something that we should be conscious of. Yeah. yeah. That's a good question. And for our last question here, um, it's Although, part of... like, I don't feel like this is work. On, on, well, on this a is a creative note. thing. Yeah. yeah, that's true. We yeah. still do this. But we haven't been doing but it we that also all have been doing <laughs> that. That's since also we true. did this shit. That's yeah, true. That's also true. That's true. Um, so th- for our last question, it's <laughs> part of a longer email, but it, it's, it's, it raises some good points here about um, how this person as a white woman... Um, is it gets it feels her faith strengthened by being in certain intersectional spaces, and she asks, "I wonder what intersectional spaces are giving you life these mm, days?" Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is a hopeful question. Yeah. Do you guys have any thoughts? Yeah, I actually have an immediate response. So I have been a part of Roots of Justice. Um, it is a anti-racism analysis training and we have several trainings that go um after the initial uh that happen after the initial analysis Mm -hmm. training but for me i hope none of them are listening but they're like a bunch of like old head radical black christians right like one of them introduced me to the idea of like cussing in prayer and that Uh was fucking nuts to me but he said old head he like fought in vietnam war like has mennonite roots but is Mm. also from west philly so he is just like a walking like tension you Uh know what i mean like he's always like yeah talking about how he wants to like beat some ass but then he's like but i'm a mennonite so he's just like amazing uh conrad um but yeah like that space is really life bringing to mm-hmm. me, right? To have a, a template of of who I can be in the future, right? Oh, I was saying he introduced me to to cussing and prayer because he said God already knows that what the fuck is on my heart. I might as well just say it in my prayer. Yeah, and I have prayed so many what the fuck God prayers after that. So the Roots of Justice Collective, the, these older Christians, Black Christians, White Christians, really working together to follow Christ in this peacemaking way together, is really life bringing for mm. me. Right? Um, yeah, that's my response. Roots awesome. of Justice has yeah. been that for me. I'm grateful for them, even though I'd be forgetting our meetings. Yeah. <laughs> for for me, it continues to be the participatory defense mm, movement. Yeah. Cool. Um, who like. That that's work that we started in together. That I've um, been doing now continuously since um, twenty seventeen. Wow! Yeah. Is it twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen? Twenty seventeen is when we first learned about it. November twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen. And then we opened a hub in, a year yeah, later, October right? Twenty eighteen. Hmm. Um, yeah, and wow. five years. Um, yeah, like I. I go to these like some like we still have these like meetings that are like a little bit spicy a little <laughs> bit a little bit weird a little bit um rowdy like one of the and, and one of the things we did recently um is we had like our celebration like we had a we had a um an outdoor gathering that was beautiful and like yeah i, I don't know that I, there's like there's almost too much to say about it but mm-hmm. it is like yeah, it um, it's what I need. Mm. What I appreciate about participatory defense is that the people are the experts, right? Like yes. usually we depend on attorneys yes. and judges to have the expertise. But the beauty of participatory yeah. defense in that intersectional space is that no matter your class, no matter your experience, yes. man, woman, whatever, yes. right? If you are the people and you have experience with prison, especially if yeah. you got locked up. You matter here, and when those I miss that. when those mm-hmm. folks show up at our meetings, I lean on them. Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. I I need their expertise. 
Like, I might be facilitating this meeting. I might be leading this hub. But, like, it's not my experience. And that grounds us. Mm -hmm. So important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I get what intersectional space. I for me, it is kind of an intersectional space that I am right at the beginning stages of in, which is the thing that I'm doing for my job. Which, oh yeah, right. Uh, which is starting up the medical legal partnership in at South Philly Chop, and what I think is amazing about this location is that. There's like a library on the first floor. The health clinic is is up on the third floor. It's right in the heart of such like this incredibly diverse part of South Philly mm-hmm. that's has Indonesian families, mm-hmm. uh, Latin families, Black families. Like all the all the this life is at this is in this space, and mm-hmm. they they go into this health center for different reasons, and it functions as a community hub. So I'm really excited to be part of that and yeah. to help community build in that way. Um, yeah. Awesome. So the last thing that we'd like to do is talk about whatever we're into this week. <laughs> Bethany, do you want to kick us off? I absolutely do. I'm into my sorority, y'all. We just reached our centennial. We were founded on November 12th, 1922 by seven black school teachers at Butler University. Um, And we just celebrated our centennial. And I remember when I first crossed into my sorority in the spring of 2012, I was like, okay, centennial's 10 years from now. And I'll probably have to ask my husband and the kids (laughs) if I can go to the centennial (laughs) celebration. But to actually be in Centennial and there ain't no fucking husband or kids but 10 years later to run into my neos that's language that we use to uh, talk about our little sisters that Mm -hmm. come in after us Um, but to run into my neos at homecoming Mm -hmm. and be like damn you made the same decision as me 10 years later and you made the same decision as our founders 100 years ago who were just black women in Indiana trying to survive Mm -hmm. trying to survive the Klan at that time right they were we are the only black sorority that was founded on a white campus, right? So I keep on getting like teary. I feel like it's about to come up for me now, but like, damn, y'all made a decision as young women a hundred years ago. And we keep as black women getting to choose this amazing sisterhood. So I'm into Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated. (laughs) (laughs) Founded November 12th, 1922. And that's on Mary Lou and the crew. Yes. And I and like on a on a side note, like I feel like one of the best reasons to like stick with social media is like to see posts like yours (laughs) that are just like so joyful about like about things like your sorority. Yeah. That's very uplifting. A hundred years of blackness. Amazing. Um I have I have a couple of things. Um the first I'm like crazily into crosswords right now. Really? Yeah. Okay. Like I'm a little insane. That's so funny. Um, I just I just keep like I keep picking them up because we like we actually get the newspaper and so like there are like maybe like seven crosswords that I can do in any given week. So like it's a little weird, but I'm I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's mm. fun. Yeah. Um, I also really loved um Andor. The, oh yeah, the series on on like it's a it's a Star Wars um, series. Yeah, um, and it and it and it's centered on this this um, this man who like is on the run from the law because he like killed two police officers in self defense. Um, but like it turns into like a rebellion against the Empire story from the ground level. This is a Marvel? No, this is a Star Wars, Wars but it's, it is Disney. Yeah. It's really it's good. really good. It's about there's no force. There's right, no yeah. Jedi. It's like yeah, like you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily have anything to connect it to like the Star Wars stories you know, but it's such a good reflection on like like um, the way empires actually run, like by just regular people doing their jobs and like. Like what needs to happen to like mm-hmm. turn shit over? Yeah, 
Yeah, by the end of it, you're rooting for like a kid throwing a pipe bomb into a bunch of into a bunch of soldiers. It's it's it's, it's a great crazy. series. It's crazy. Yeah, so somehow it's, it snuck by. Like snuck a, by the Disney people. Yeah, it was like a prison uprising. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. amazing. I mean, as a side note, you know what I really liked about that that scene where the prisoners are like, "You haven't heard about this law? Isn't it what everyone's talking about outside?" And Cassian is like, "No, I'm. I have. I guess I was never that involved out there." Right. And they're like. How are enough people not talking about this law? I feel like that directly paralyzed yes. actually formerly incarcerated people who yeah. are like, you guys aren't talking about this case? Like, right. this, doesn't this change everything for everyone? Mm. No. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah right. It's yeah. like how many of the important things we're all sleeping on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Um, what I am into... Um, I'm into... What am I into? I'm into uh, I'm into Advent. I'm, in, I'm into the Advent season. I'm into the fact that everybody out there in that room is decorating the space. Mm, I yeah. think it's fun. And uh, we've got a Christmas tree this year, which is makes the space cozy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, that. we got a Christmas tree up yeah. in here? Nice. Yeah. Shit, I need to get rid of my old Christmas tree. I got a new one. You think we want two Christmas trees? <laughs> oh, you double know what? Christmas. The double Christmas tree. Maybe maybe that's the week. thing that changes each week at Advent is like you add one more tree. <laughs> Just one more tree. <laughs> By the end, we have four trees. <laughs> that would be so amazing. Yeah. That would be so funny. Um... <laughs> So special thanks to Joe Mahoney, our audio engineer, and to Jared Selby, who does our themed song. Tess Patino is our social media goddess, and Amy Young does our website. And we haven't heard from y'all in a long time. What the hell is wrong with y'all? But, make... but, but hang on, though. They have. They also haven't heard from us. <laughs> well, I don't care. This is one-sided. We want to hear from y'all. Okay. <laughs> So write to us. Let us know how you're still following Jesus, how you're still trying to be anti-racist and continue to dismantle these bullshit systems. Amen. We want to hear from you and we miss y'all. So please write to us at (laughs) colorcorrectionpodcast.com and drop us a line. (laughs) And with that, stay black, Little Mermaid. I feel like we're taking a long time on each question. We sure it's are. Take us a heart. It's gonna. We have like four questions. Like, how do you <laughs> want to do this? Uh, what I is know. Two ten. We've only been recording for forty minutes. That's a long ass time. No. Forty minutes. We have twenty. We have twenty minutes. While you guys okay. have this con- conflict, I'm, I'm. Are you gonna go to the bathroom? Oh my god! In the middle of an episode. Yeah. Okay. It's All fine. Right. You. I'm glad I'm not the only one with bladder issues. Great.